Hello everyone. In this episode, I'm going to be doing a recap of week one, where we covered chapter one. So welcome back. So far, I've introduced you to the field of exercise psychology, which is where we use psychological principles to help people adopt and maintain physical activity. We also use exercise psychology to determine the psychological consequences of exercise. Exercise psychology requires knowledge of both psychology and exercise science principles. There are other fields that are related to exercise psychology in that they share some research and clinical interests. So they're similar, but they're not the same. These sister fields are rehabilitation psychology, health psychology, behavioral medicine, and sports psychology. Make sure you know what the differences are. uh, For rehabilitation psychology, they're studying people with disabilities and chronic health conditions in particular. And so they may use exercise as part of the rehabilitation process, but they also use other techniques and approaches besides exercise. For health psychology, the concern is in using the psychological knowledge so that they can understand health and illness better. Again, it looks not only at at not only exercise, but also may include things like uh, eating behavior, sleep management, stress management, coping with other uh, chronic illnesses and other health concerns. Behavioral medicine integrates behavioral, psychosocial, and biomedical science knowledge and techniques to understand health and fitness. And lastly, sports psychology, which is often confused with exercise psychology, looks at the psychological antecedents and consequences of sports performance. So what happens before someone competes and then what happens after. So sports psychology really is just particularly looking at athletes. And so although I've interchanged terms of uh, physical activity and exercise, um, often uh, throughout this class so far, um, you should understand by now that they're not actually the same thing. Exercise is a type of physical activity where it's planned, structured, and repeated, and it's done during leisure time. In other words, it's not during work or during a time where you're commuting to and from work or doing household activities and that sort of thing. And so this physical activity would be performed to achieve physical, psychological, and social benefits. While any type of physical activity could be beneficial, exercise confers specific benefits that other forms of physical activity may not. So for instance, riding a bike through city traffic on the way to work just may not make you feel as good as riding down a country lane on a beautiful Sunday afternoon, even though your heart rate may be elevated equally. We also talked this week about exercise psychology and how it takes the biopsychosocial approach rather than standard medical mo- the standard medical model. And what that means is um, that we look at the entire body as a whole. Uh, we look at the physiology, the psychology, and the social aspects of the individual and how it affects their health, where the medical model would look at the body as a constellation of group of, of organ systems that may work together but are separate and they're not necessarily interrelated. These traditional forms of medicine involved doing things more uh, towards the line of prescribing medication, surgery, and giving recommendations like bed rest. It assumes, the medical model assumes that the patient is passive um, when it comes to treating an illness 
where in the biopsychosocial model, the patient is an active participant when it comes to maintaining or improving their health. We study exercise psychology to help us understand what might be happening that causes some people to exercise or be physically active while others are more sedentary. This has become more important, especially in the past few decades, as more and more people become less active and then as we see the uh, rise in the rates of chronic disease. Um, so by understanding the differences between what's going on with active and um, inactive individuals, we can better develop interventions that can help modify or influence their poor exercise behaviors, not just in individual people, but also for entire populations. So we're interested in, uh, also interested in what happens after people exercise, so the consequences of exercise. And knowing this can help us figure out which interventions can reduce both acute and chronic negative psychological states and increase acute and chronic positive psychological states. So we're talking about decreasing disorders such as depression and anxiety and increasing people's quality of life. Exercise psychology goes beyond just researchers uh, studying people's behavior. Using the um, components of exercise psychology and understanding these facets of it can be used in many different careers. There are opportunities available for people who are interested in exercise psychology or who have experienced in using it. And um, these are in places like the public se sector, in uh, primary and secondary education, meaning like teachers and coaches, in rehabilitation, so working as occupational therapist, a kinesiotherapist, physical therapist, athletic trainers, that sort of thing. Um, it could also be helpful if you're gonna go into the fitness and wellness related fields, personal trainers, uh, fitness instructors, uh, working within the uh, corporate fitness and wellness programs. Um, so places where you can help motivate people to exercise or to be more physically active during the day. Um, and so knowing all of this, uh, you can do myriad things as your career. Um, and so you can make sure that you take a look at the list that, um, that you were given in um, one of the PowerPoints, just so you have a good idea of what opportunities are, are there for you. Um, in chapter one, uh, we it also, in the textbook, it also goes into peer-reviewed journals, but we're actually going to be talking about that as we go into chapter two, which leads me into our intro for, uh, for this upcoming week or so. Um, Chapter two is a little more uh, brief compared to some of the other chapters. Um, there are a number of micro lectures that cover the main topics, um, and we're going to do an activity that will help you uh, kind of get a grasp of the statistics aspect of the epidemiology um, as it is relating to physical activity. So um, by the end of it, hopefully you can understand the importance of knowing these statistics um, and how it helps us target which population needs uh, needs the assistance in increasing their physical activity behavior or decreasing their sedentary behavior. So that's what we'll be talking about um, for Wednesday and Friday. And then once we do that, then we'll um, shift into chapter three and um, really get into more the meat of this uh, field. So thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you in class.